You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. It, well, I, I walk like that too. I got a little hitch in my giddy up sometimes with a bad <laughs> knee and a bad hip and a bad back. And I haven't been beat up nearly as bad as Cody Pichardo has. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable. Ready, set, hunt. And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Travis Curra with Brazilian Tie. Ooh, it feels good to have the Canadian Football League back, doesn't it, Tie? Yeah, it's almost like my life has meaning again. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, if, if your meaning is to um, anger an entire fan base and uh, to deal with uh, the follow-up tweets is a meaning, well, I guess we both have it. <laughs> hey, I've, I, got, I got paid for those because I was multitasking. <laughs> This episode of To and Out is brought to you by the Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Parents can easily miss their child's eye problems. Issues can occur in only one eye, making them difficult to notice. The earlier an eye health or vision problem is identified, well, the more likely it can be corrected. The IC I Learn program provides an eye exam and free glasses if needed for kindergarten aged children. 25% of kids begin their first grade with an undiagnosed eye problem. To book your child's eye exam, visit optometrists.ab.ca. The Alberta Association of Optometrists represents almost 800 doctors of optometry in over 80 communities across the province. Members are highly trained, regulated health professionals who provide primary eye health and vision care to Albertans. Learn more at optometrists.ab.ca. In the huddle with Karan Todd on the Two and Out podcast. All right, let's uh, start with the first game of the week: the Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating the Hamilton Tiger Cats, nineteen to six. Now, as the game started, Ty, well, <laughs> it looked really easy for the Ty Cats to drive down the field and get that first score, <laughs> and it looked like they were going to be on that way. You know, a lot of people are predicting the Ty Cats to be Grey Cup champs this year. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it looked like, whoa, maybe they're going to prove all of the quote-unquote experts right early in that game on Thursday. Yeah, I think t- before we get too far, I don't think there's a lot of experts left after week one. <laughs> but that's the beauty of the CFL, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that, as Tim McAuliffe always says, the game isn't played on paper. It's played by little men in your TV screen. Well, um, <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I, I think a lot of people thought, okay, <laughs> there was no 2020. It's going to be an entirely mm-hmm. fresh start to you know pretty much mm-hmm. every team. In fact, a lot of the cores were still intact, but the beauty of the CFL is that <laughs> just when you think you can predict it, it's just... Yeah, it just slaps you in the face. 
<laughs> you'd think four games a week, you'd be able to predict every game and, you know, make piles of cash, but uh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe there is some geniuses out there, but I haven't yeah. really found them yet. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, hey. Ouch. What do you mean? I, I made a little bit of I made a little bit of money this weekend. Okay, okay, and then how about your parlay on Saturday? Like I said, I made a little bit of money this weekend. <laughs> hey, I made it wasn't a, a lot. It, it, my, I had a net gain of six dollars. If uh, if we're if that's we're better talking. than me. <laughs> I mean. It was it was pretty good. I thought you know Jalen Acklin, no Braylon Addison. Uh, the the Ty Cats mm-hmm. are going to throw to him, and Acklin ended up having himself a nice game, including that uh, first uh, touchdown pass from uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli. Yeah, and like we said, they came out, they scored quick, uh, and we thought that, that the Tiger Cats were just returning to that high flying offense that we've seen the past few seasons. They jump out to that early lead, and then Winnipeg just proved that you know deep. Defense is what was winning them games in 2019, and it's probably going to win them quite a few here in 2021. Yeah, it looks like that is going to be uh, the the fun part of this team again. I mean, they were <laughs> tough to score on. They were tough to run against in 2019, and it looks like it's going to be uh, tough right there. Zach Kalaros, to me, looked like he was just out there having fun. Uh, there, there were a few plays yeah. when he, he was just <laughs> he was just running like he he must have put on about you know 250 yards on those old old legs to throw some of those balls and some of them did fall incomplete but it looked like he was just having fun running around back there. Yeah, and, and it it always worries me when he does that spin like he'll drop back and does, and runs one way and yeah. then spins yeah. around to go back the other. Way. I always feel like he's just going to get popped on that. And with his injury history, it makes me cringe every time. It's like, this could be the one. But he somehow avoided a lot of the big hits. Uh, and it looked like it was 2015 Zach Kalaros at some points where, you know, he was able to scramble. He was able to get away from pressure and make plays. And, and like you said, he was having fun, and it was fun to watch. He, uh, I think Bomber fans will be happy to see that there were a few times when he took the old slide. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he did t- he did slide in, in Saskatchewan. Might have been a little late, but he still slid. That's true. That's true. And he ended up uh, getting smashed for and that anyway. Up, and, and then he and then he ended up on the bombers. It's weird. It, it kind of worked out for both the riders and the bombers. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the riders will be like, "Hey, we got our franchise guy," and the bombers will. Hey, <laughs> we got a great cup out of the deal. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not not a bad trade, not a bad trade off if you're the Bombers. <laughs> also, as a Bomber fan, you see uh, a Brady Oliveira get 22 carries for 126 yards. All of a sudden, you're not really all that worried uh, about Andrew Harris missing long term. He stepped up to the task and looked great. Yeah, and I think I'm not taking anything away from from Oliveira, but I mean, with this offensive line, it's going to make life a lot easier for the running backs, if, if especially if they're not Andrew Harris. Uh, just with the way Harris runs, I mean, if somebody meets him at the line of scrimmage, he's he's not that easy to take down, right? He can still get yards. 
but having a guy in his debut, what, 22 carries, 126, like you said, like that's a damn good debut. And with that offensive line in front of him that he has, and and you know, with the way that Calaris was able to kind of move the ball down the field a little bit, and he was able to take off at some points, it made it easier for Oliveira because they had to kind of you know watch for different different aspects of the offense, which we haven't seen from Winnipeg too much in the past season. But yeah, it it, it almost was like a plug and play. The receptions mm-hmm. weren't there. The, the receptions weren't there. They only saw two targets. But I mean, if if he can, you know, between 100 and 150 yards, you know, and a touchdown here and there that he can throw in when, if Harris isn't healthy, I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have if you're Winnipeg. And it's almost like they can use Nick Dembski. They can almost, you know, have uh, mm-hmm. two guys in in one role a little bit because he was thrown to seven times, five catches for seventy yards. Uh, Winnipeg's leading receiver. Nice day at the office for him too. Yeah, and and you know, coming out of the backfield, coming out of the slot, like he they put him anywhere on in that alignment on the offense, and you know he can line up at running back, and and he, they run those sweeps. But it's not a it's not a true sweep because he's in front of the quarterback, right? So it's it's like a handoff, but it's actually a little tight. It's just that that started they started doing that in 2019 as a little wrinkle, and it, it totally changed the way that defenses have to play because you don't know where Nick Dembski is going and where he's going to end up coming out of because he could line up at one spot and by the time the ball is snapped, uh, he's in a completely different spot. And I know there's a lot of motion in the league, but it just seems that he finds that he finds that spot where he needs to be kind of like you know the superstars in, in hockey and stuff that they, they're not always flying around 100 miles an hour, they find the spot they need to be to be great and, and you know, get pucks to them. Nick Dembski finds a spot, finds the spots where he needs to be to get the football and, and make plays. And he did it again on, on Thursday night. And long live the king. Kenny the King Lawler, four <laughs> catches on eight targets, 69 yards. Nice. nice. With two touchdowns. <laughs> and, in but, my, and in my flex position. You can't mention Kenny Lawler and not mention the tweet. Oh, <laughs> where they tweeted out a stat line, and every reply was nice. <laughs> every single reply, mine included. Well done, uh, Twitter. We don't say that much, but no, every nice, now and then, nicely played, nicely played. <laughs> the okay, turning point in this on. game. This turning point in this game was. It was in the first half. Uh, Brandon Banks looks. Mm. Like he's maybe tossing the ball to the official. A bomber defender walks in the way. It bounces off of his helmet. Up goes the flag. And Ticats really got nothing done after that moment. And it did look like Brandon Banks, although he had seven catches, 73 yards, very frustrated after that. And we've seen this from Banks before where he takes himself out of games because, you know, he gets rattled. Mm-hmm. And and if he if he was able to get past that and you know should that have been a penalty no uh, I I completely understand why it got called because you know they have to keep that rule black and white you can't start judging intent on you know throwing the ball at the, at the opposition because the guys are gonna say well I was throwing it to like, that's always gonna be the argument that I wasn't throwing it at them they they got in the way right so I I totally understand the flag there uh, but you got you got to have the memory of a goldfish and just move on and get on with the next play and 
and do something to help your team win. And like Milt Siegel said, yeah, seven of 10, 73 yards, they were unproductive yards. It didn't really do much to help his team. And, right. you know, he just seemed like a malcontent uh, after that penalty. And I get it, like maybe for a little bit, but you can't you can't dwell on stuff like that. And as the game went on, it was the inexperience on the Tiger Cats offensive line that really, really was tough for them. Adam Big Hill had the mm-hmm. seven seven tackles. He was doing his thing. Uh, Willie Jefferson, well, maybe he doesn't get on to the you know the stat sheet with four sacks or anything crazy like that. He had himself a, a interception. He was still a big factor in uh, in this game. Willie Jefferson is a guy that doesn't need to even show up on the stat sheet to impact a game, right? Yeah, yeah. If, if you're going to double-team Willie Jefferson all day and hold and shut him out in the sack department, somebody else is going to take advantage of that. And, and I think Willie Jefferson would be 100% all right with that. Does he want to get mm-hmm. sacks? Of course. But if he's going to have to take a double team for somebody else to get to a quarterback and they're going to win football games, I don't think he's going to care that much. And and stuff like that doesn't go unnoticed by fans and, and things like that, right? And and media where they can see what he, they can see how much of an impact he's making because other guys around him are getting opportunities because of what he is doing. Uh, you know, so yeah, even though he doesn't, he shows up on the stat sheet with the one interception, doesn't have a big game you know where he's like you said four sacks or a bunch of pressures and some knockdowns but i mean if if he's not there i think that the o-line has a little bit of an easier time uh protecting masoli most of all it was just nice to have football back that first game the uh, fans in the stands like man if if you're if your one takeaway from a game is who's uh doing play-by-play man uh, <laughs> i don't know how much you really missed <laughs> Yeah, like I don't know. I'm not in the mental spot to be uh, whining about officiating and uh, broadcasting yet. You know, <laughs> like I'm just oh, I, man. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching the Jays game before we started recording, and I am I am in full bitch about officiating mode. I'm not going to do it just because I don't think there was much this week other than the Toronto Calgary game had its qualms with you know some tempo stuff, but. Yeah, yeah. If you if if you're gonna if you're gonna complain about play by play teams in week one after <laughs> was it 520 days of no football, I have zero time for you. Yeah, like like come and you on, know, I, and you know who you are. They they, they could have a a duck doing play by play, and I I would be happy with this. Uh, to be honest well, no, with you, no that <laughs> that duck that duck was in Mike Riley's hands on Friday night. Look, he wouldn't at have been that. able to be in the booth. If that is not a transition, you, you didn't think you didn't think I could do that, did you? <laughs> the Friday night football, the Riders beating the Lions. When, when you just look at the score, you say, "Oh, okay, thirty-three yeah. twenty-nine, competitive game." But if you tuned in sometime during the second quarter, you would have thought, yeah. "What is happening?" But before we ever get into that. We have to talk about what happened before the game. We were led to believe that Mike Riley was going to start. Yes, he was limited at practice. The elbow issue, Mm -hmm. it it was said that eh, not really a concern at all here by both Rick Campbell and Michael Riley. He's going to be able to go. He's going to be able to play. And then 
<laughs> I don't know. It, it seemed like 60 seconds before kickoff, the Canadian Nathan Rourke gets his first ever CFL start. Yep, f- far from ideal if you're BC. Yeah, not ideal. It's one thing if he was, well, and maybe he was preparing to be the starter behind the scenes with Riley being uh, limited all week, and mm-hmm. every quarterback, they'll say it, they they, they should be preparing to be uh, playing in yeah. the upcoming week, but the conversation ended up shifting to betting, and I, I, I mm-hmm. don't... I guess I don't believe that the Lions were trying to pull a fast one on everyone here. Could no. they have been a little bit more transparent? I don't know, Ty. I think like it they have the day before you have you have to release a death chart. You yeah, have to. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to put Mike Riley in there cuz they've talked to him and they all believe, you know, whether they got to shoot him up or whatever, they can get him in that game. Uh and it comes to warm-ups and like they said he wasn't really participating all that much and the stuff he was doing it just wasn't mike riley michael riley-esque to, to for lack of a better term uh i i honestly don't think that they had any intention of starting anything work uh matt dunnigan also said like if you're healthy enough to to dress you're healthy enough to play yeah that's that's what so I, I was I, thinking I think they had full intentions of him starting and, you know, warm-ups rolled around and there was just nothing they could do for that elbow. Uh, you know, if people want to bitch and moan and say that, you know, they tried to circumvent rules and all that stuff, then no, you're, you're wrong. And that's fine. You can be wrong, but just know that you are wrong. Because that's <laughs> not what they did here. Like, he was limited in practice all week. You know, it's not like these. It's not like this elbow issue and 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 his arm stuff just crept up. We we've known about this, so you know it. It just it, it ended up being a game time decision. But when you have to release a depth chart twenty four hours before kickoff, you, you you can get caught in a situation like this quite easily. Well, and I, I think it was Farhan Lauji of TSN that ended up saying he has basically had five full practices since training camp started. <laughs> yeah, like this has been an ongoing issue. So, like, could I mean, the Lions it, have? Well, how, how I, do I you guess do? I guess they trusted Riley, and he is one of the toughest players in the game, and he, he's yeah, he, he's won that award. Could they have said game time decision instead of? But maybe they honestly thought he was going to be good to go. You still have to list him as the starter. Yeah, this isn't like this isn't like this isn't like hockey where you have twelve forwards, right? It just got more and, bizarre. And Fourteen guys go out because at halftime, yeah. Campbell's basically oh, like God. he can't play, and then thirty-five seconds later, he's yeah. under center. <laughs> and and a ten percent Mike Riley almost let it come back, but it was. A, before we talk any more about him, it was just a completely different team with him. And I know he's not playing defense, yeah. but it just seemed like the entire team had belief. Yeah, it's like it's like when you you start your your backup goaltender, right? It's just right. everybody's a little more everybody's a little more defensive minded because you you just yeah. don't trust them, right? But it's kind of the opposite in football. Y'all, oh, our starters back in, okay? Like the confidence shoots up. You know, guys are catching balls that they should, probably shouldn't. Uh, you know, somehow the ball makes its way like 
through Luchez Purifoy and Durant comes yeah. down with it. I, I don't know how that happened, but you know, it just the play the plays happen for for these guys, and and it did did on Friday. Well, so as a Ryder fan, you got to be a little bit, uh oh, because yeah, Riley is yeah. throwing these. They were not pretty balls, and it yeah. it actually looked like he had something seriously wrong with his arm, and you you don't want him to damage it more if you're the Lions. It's only week one. Mm-hmm. You you want him to be as right as possible. But the Riders could – some of those things had hang times of punts, and, and they they couldn't knock him down. They couldn't pick him off. It was just and, working. And somehow. worse, and, and a, putt, a putt would have had a better spiral on it. Right. <laughs> like, it, it was – it, it just seemed like magic, and and that's mm-hmm. I guess that's what makes him Michael Riley, you know. Yeah, I, you got to be worried about next week because now. Oh my god! I don't know. <laughs> can, can you really believe, even if he's listed as the starter, that he's going to be out there playing? I I thought you meant if you're the Riders, you got to be worried for oh. next week because Hamilton comes in. Either way, you should be very worried. Yeah, it's a long bus trip from Winnipeg. <laughs> they still don't have an airport? No, I don't think so. And you're telling me the horse is dead <laughs> with the cultural <laughs> fit. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the Saskatchewan defense, like, I just they, – they totally – changed it seemed how they were playing in that second half they were going for the ball and that just that just opened up that just opened up a litany of 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 errors another fascinating thing is how the offense changed because they stopped running it Mm -hmm. like is Jacques Chapdelaine back as the OC like what is (laughs) happening so I don't know if Powell had an issue or what, but mm-hmm. they were giving him the ball in the first half, and I think that was a big part of their success and having the offensive line involved in that. Yeah, for, well, yeah, you you get your offensive line into the game. They're the ones hitting people, right? Uh, you're running on first down, second and short, second and medium, making it easier for, for Jardo. They're converting converting second downs, converting the converted to third down, like, I mean, you're up twenty-eight. You're up what thirty-one? Nothing. Sorry. Like, wh- yeah. Why? Why isn't the ball like even if it's not William Powell? Right. Exactly. I mean, if, even if there, even if there was an issue. I mean, Keenan LaFrance. The only time he saw was on special teams. Run the ball. Kill some time. It's not that hard of a concept, and I just don't get how offensive coordinators completely miss that. And it's not like it's not like Jason Moss can't hear when people <laughs> tell him that. That's a deep joke. That's a <laughs> like. Did you have that written down like a late night host? No. I love it. <laughs> no, I just came up with that right now. Legit, I'm so proud of it. So here are a couple stats from Rob. Really big show. Really big show. Regina leader post. He says the Riders had 19 first downs in the first half. Two mm-hmm. in the second half. He also says. Riders' first six possessions, 17 rushing plays. 12 were handoffs, five were Cody's. And in the final eight possessions, 
one rushing play, a handoff to William Powell for two yards. Remember 2016 when I wanted Chris Jones fired after week three? Uh Uh-oh. Are you you calling for Jason Moss? (laughs) Yeah. I'm done with him. Oh, the the overreacting Ryder fan. (laughs) Right? I, I feel like I'm speaking for eighty percent of rider of rider fans here because you know next week next week they'll next week they'll flip but oh I love it like, I love you it have, so much you have one of the premier running backs in the CFL and you don't use him when you're up thirty one nothing I get it Moss you were an ex quarterback but pull your head out of here like come well, on. I- I guess we better watch the injury report at practice for William Powell, hey? He 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 better be injured. There better be something <laughs> up. Cuz there's no there's no reasonable explanation for this. Yeah. That 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 was completely completely silly. Um that well, being the, said, in the first the first quarter, BC had the ball for 2 minutes and 23 seconds. Yeah, it was domination. In the first half, they had it for nine minutes and twenty-eight seconds. That completely flipped in the third quarter. <laughs> be- yeah, be- yeah. Because because be- Saskatchewan refused, more or less, to run the football in the third quarter. Pull it up right here. Third quarter time of possession: ten minutes for BC, four minutes fifty-seven seconds for for Saskatchewan. Not a single first down. Whoa. That's so bad. I think we've got to mention uh, Nathan Rourke, uh, Canadian for the BC Lions. He he starts the game. Look, I'm not going to I'm not going to trash the kid. <laughs> it's his no, first ever is... CFL start. Mosaic yeah. Stadium is sold out. It's not an ideal spot for a young rookie quarterback. <laughs> Not only is it sold out, it's the home opener after a year and a half. Yeah. So he did throw two interceptions, but continued to kind of lean on Riley on the sideline, learn Mm -hmm. from him a little bit. And then that beautiful, (laughs) he had a few beautiful throws, couple touchdown passes, especially that one late to Brian Burnham. He threw it only to where Burnham could get it, who, by the way, seven targets, seven catches, 92 yards and a touchdown. So he's back right where he left off. Burnham on a corner route makes a ridiculous touchdown catch. Yeah. 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 You can just (laughs) copy and paste that from 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. I mean, once that ball went up in the air and I saw where it was going, I'm like, oh, that's Burnham. That's going to be a touchdown. And, yeah, he came up with it, of course. Yep. Never heard that one before. Um, (laughs) Lucky Whitehead, the big game for the Lions, including a 75-yard touchdown. Made Nick Marshall look foolish. Yeah, 136 yards. (laughs) So, I mean, those are the guys to watch this upcoming season for BC. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'd like to hope that they could also get their running game going because they couldn't. James Butler had eight carries for 24 yards. No Shaq Cooper uh, in this one. Dominique Rimes, he even had six catches for 76 yards. So they were able to move the ball through the air. They had... Uh, almost 
400 yards passing between Riley and York. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the difference there, if their, their new kicker, Takeru Yamasaki, is able to nail the two field goals, and he ended up missing a, an extra point as well, I believe. But he made the first one, did he not? Yeah. They, yeah. they moved him back? Right, right. Uh, if they're able to close the gap and make those two mm-hmm. field goals, well, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. The, the the Lions complete a crazy comeback, and and, and you can you can say a few things here and there. Maybe maybe the Riders would have changed their strategy a little bit. Maybe they would have found a way to rush the ball. Uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but. Uh, some missed opportunities by the Lions, but getting down by four scores is probably your first mistake. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we had them right where almost, we wanted them. <laughs> it almost worked. They lulled them in that false sense of security. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned James Butler eight eight rushes for twenty four yards. Adds in four catches for thirty two yards and a touchdown. Fifty two returning yards ends up with seventeen point seven points. He had a nice day at the second highest for running backs in the week. Like and that's that that was a quiet that was a quiet seventeen point one points. Nobody nobody said he had a big game. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, Butler, if you take away his twelve yard carry, it would have been <laughs> yeah. some some quick math seven carries for twelve yards. <laughs> yeah. So, rushing the ball wasn't working for BC. Obviously, no. they 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 couldn't really rush the ball because of the score. So <laughs> they wanted yeah. to move as at much least, as they at could. At least they had a reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Cody Fajardo gets. Uh, I, there was a little bit of a helmet to helmet contact there. Mm-hmm. Um. Probably not roughing the passer because of where he was, but no. unnecessary roughness, maybe? Uh, yeah, if it would have been called, too bad you can't review that. You can't review headshots? Like, Nope. <laughs> unnecessary roughness is not a reviewable penalty. I looked That's, it up. That seems kind of silly. Yeah, well, yeah, make it... Yeah, CFL makes perfect sense, Travis. Come on. <laughs> how, how, di- how dare you disparage... <laughs> you know what? At least it was entertaining. Like it, it, it uh, had a, a little bit of fluctuation in the old blood pressure, a little bit, didn't it? A little bit, a little bit of my like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, here, here we go. It's Harker time. This game, I was, I was not, was not looking forward to that. There was a couple times when uh, Fajardo walked off the field. I think it's just him. He, he looks like he just mm-hmm. he's always getting beat up, and he just keeps getting up there. Yeah. He's he's a little bit like Rocky Balboa. It, well, I, I walk like that, too. I got a little hitch in my giddy-up sometimes with a bad <laughs> knee and a bad hip and a bad back, and I haven't been beat up nearly as bad as Cody Fajardo has. Yeah, and you haven't, you haven't played football. <laughs> not, not tackle. <laughs> right. Flag, are you a legend? I wouldn't say legend. A legend. But <laughs> maybe L L E J U N D. Moving on to Saturday in the doubleheader. The Argos beating the oh. Stampeders 23-20. You know what, man? 
if you put red and white jerseys on the Argos, then uh, I, I think you could have fooled yeah. a lot of people as to what team it was. percent. <laughs> 100%, 100%. I still have some of the Toronto players. So on my on my stat sheet, like I, I color code it, right? So it's easy to pick out who plays for who. The color coding is right, but the name is still their old team. Right, right. And so I'm going through it. I'm like, what the hell? Is this right? And I have to double check. Well, and you know what? They played very similar styles, didn't they? Mm-hmm. The, I, that's what I felt watching each offense. And why wouldn't it be similar styles? The, these players have both played uh, on either side of the ball. Either team have played in that offensive system. And it worked early on for Toronto. It almost worked too easy for Toronto. <laughs> they just drove yeah. the ball, and all of a sudden it was 8 nothing. And even little things going for two on the first score of the game. And they just made it happen. McLeod Bethel-Thompson opens the scoring to former Calgary Stampeder Juwan Breskison. And the Argos are off to the races. It was a nice start for that team. And <laughs> I think their fans are... Probably like, whoa, the, the the old boat logo, and we're scoring. I was excited because I had Breskison in my lineup. Yeah. Because I thought I'd be smart and take Butler out, put Powell in, and then that left me room for Breskison, right? Oh, that backfired on me. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I we talked about, you know, this team looks good on paper, and, and we got to wait to see. We kind of slept on McLeod Bethel-Thompson. I mean, a two to one touchdown interception ratio last year led the league in touchdown passes. Like he can get it done in this league, and now he's got weapons. Like I, I think I, we might have slept on Toronto. Well, and hopefully some stability there too, right? Because mm-hmm. he 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 seems every single year he's got a new coordinator, and it, it didn't seem like anybody really has belief in him. But now, yeah. now he's got it, and it, it's his job to lose. Really, I, I think that first drive, yeah. it, it it chewed over six minutes a clock. Yeah, it, it, they were just slicing and dicing. Everything they were doing was working, and with the receiving Corey has, I, I think a lot of people and may, maybe chalked up his twenty nineteen stats to being garbage time. Right. Well. They're not entirely wrong, but still. Yeah, yeah. He still put them up. He did. The numbers are numbers. It's like it's like guys hitting home runs in the eighth and ninth inning when they're down, you know, ten runs. It's not that easy to hit a home run. They still mm-hmm. count. It's still impressive. And then the Stampeders come back with an eight and a half minute drive of their own it only ended up with a field goal and that would be the theme of the game for the stampeders who were able to have long drives they were able to move the football but it ended up just being renee paredes doing what he does and mm-hmm. being money and ending the drive right we'll talk about that in the next game but <laughs> calgary <laughs> Cal- calgary not finishing drive like just seemed like the killer instinct wasn't quite there and i don't know you know bo coming off the shoulder surgery that he had and and you know, the no preseason games, it just, yeah, I, I want to say it's an outlier. This is, it's still, they're still Calgary, they're still the Calgary Stampeders. They still believe by Mitchell, uh, you know, Kamar Jordan's still there. 
Marquise Ambles. I mean, these this team is going to finish drives. I don't think that's going to be an issue. It, it, I think it's just a one-off. They had almost 35 minutes of ball possession, so they they mm-hmm. controlled the ball until the very end of the game. And in the past, it would be a Toronto team that would kind of fold up and you'd yeah. finish them off and grab some distance there. But there was, there was a moment in the game where Bo Mitchell ends up hitting Kamar Jordan. There's a penalty on the play. Look at that. The Argos fought back, and they ended up stopping them and turning the ball over on downs. Yes, it was deep in their own end, but that was a big turning point. And and, and I think that's also the moment where you you said, hey, maybe that that tempo of the game slowed down a little bit. It was the third quarter, back-to-back challenges a little bit, Uh, a silly penalty by surprise, uh, Chris. Lots of penalties, (laughs) challenges. I was on the radio, and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, what is happening right now? I mean, I get into my camp room. Oh, no, sorry. All the penalties and stuff at the end of the first half. Yeah. It really started to bog down there. I got into my, my camp room at halftime, and the third quarter just seemed to drag on forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It, was, it was still an easier watch than the second game. But, I mean, you know, the... Ten- it's it's the first it's week one for the refs too. We'll we'll, we'll figure this out, and you know the tempo will be back. Some, sometimes it happens just the way the game gets played, and you know guys do some stupid stuff, <clears throat> Chris Edwards. But <laughs> you know it's just it's it's a small thing, and I, I don't want to harp on it. But you know it's just every every now every now and every now and then you get that, and that's just what it is. We can say that the Stampeders left opportunities on the field, but. Mm-hmm. The Argos, big, long, 81-yard play to Ricky Collins Jr. gets punched out. The Stampeders recover it in the end zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was something else. And also, Boris Beatty missing uh, a 27-yard field goal. He also missed a 58-yarder, which, by the way, the, the one he connected on from 54 for the Argos, it looked like it would have been good from 70. <laughs> uh, I will pull that up right now because you have on, a stat the on, that? CFL, <laughs> on the CFL stat pages that we get, it, they tell you how far the ball went on missed, on missed field goals. It looked like it almost landed outside of the end zone. <laughs> so, yeah, he's got the biggest uh, leg in the CFL. Are we talking about... The 58-yard attempt? No, the 54-yard one that he made. 54. Oh, the 50, oh, they don't have that one. But the 58-yard attempt that he missed, guess how far it went? Uh, 73? Oh, close. No. No. What? Nice. Oh! <laughs> Say no more, Ty. Say no more. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the one that he made actually went further than the one he he oh probably he, he missed. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's just the twenty-seven yarders that are like, okay, oh. you can <laughs> you can miss the fifty-eighters and the fifty-four yards, yeah. but the twenty-seven, those are the ones you got to make. Even the radio announcers figured it was a done deal, and this game was going to halftime tied. And then you know he misses it wide left, and it's fourteen twelve, and like, huh. 
and then it went to commercial. <laughs> so maybe missed opportunities were sort of uh, the theme mm-hmm. for for both teams a little bit, but Eric Rogers yeah. kind of clutch at the end of the fourth quarter, and he he makes that big catch on the two point conversion. Uh, I think it was on the Curly mm-hmm. Gittens, which, by the way, might yep. be the the best name in the CFL right now. Well, and every time I hear, all I can think of is kittens, and I love cats. <laughs> so, I mean, he slowly he he'll never he'll never be Taylor Loeffler, but he, he's gonna get he might get that number two spot. Nice, nice, uh, and then Eric Rogers big catches in the in the fourth quarter as well. And mm-hmm. you telling me those guys didn't want to. Uh, beat the Stampeders in Calgary's yeah. home opener. The big win yeah. for uh, Braverman the went head five coach. for five with with forty two yards. Like I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of guys on that roster that really wanted this win. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the Stampeders have to worry too much. There, there's some stuff that they they've got to clean up. There was the fumble mm-hmm. in the fourth by Kadeem Carey and uh, Toronto. Uh, really capitalized on that one to uh, get the touchdown, tie the game, and then they 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 stayed in it and kicked the field goal with less than a minute left. Uh, Kamar Jordan was looking good in his return to the roster. Josh Huff, oh that that was rough. Six catches, fifty three yards, but he ends up getting tackled by like basically his neck, and. Uh, yeah. He he came back for a play. He had a catch, and, and then he left the game and didn't return. So it, it, he'll be mm-hmm. a situation to watch going into going into next week. And then uh, Bo Levi Mitchell at the end of the game throwing the interception there. But there were some moments where yeah. maybe he wasn't in sync with his receivers 100%. Uh, but then again, first game, uh, maybe an extended preseason a little bit, but Toronto doesn't care. They get the win, and... Uh, that's good. Good for the CFL, right? I, I think so. A, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. If, Toronto being successful only helps the league. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, they don't even have to win a great cup. Just be relevant again. And but like, don't go, don't go ten and four this year and go three and fifteen next year. Like, stay relevant. Yeah, it Would seems nice. like for some reason that. They're not able to string together. Like, and when they win the Grey Cup, it's like a 500 season, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like they run away with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and two, Bo, Bo Levi Mitchell, Dave Dickinson brought this up uh, post-game. You know, the guys that they had to put in the lineup and then they deal with the injuries during the game and guys are playing out of position and moving around the field so much that, you know, Bo's just not... Fam- like as comfortable with with guys where they are and just loses a lot of confidence in them and then you know it becomes you know a one or two receiver game because the, those guys are the ones playing their positions and he knows where they're going to be and he trusts them more and so that's something that Calgary's going to have to deal with and this is what they, I'm not just coming out of my ass that Dave Dickinson said that after the game mm-hmm. so I mean mm-hmm. there is I, I wouldn't call it an issue I think that's normal yeah, you know, you got guys playing in a position where you're not used to seeing them. It, it's just not your first instinct to trust them, right? So, and not not saying trust, but like you know, to go to them and throw the ball there, you know, because the route they're going to break that route off a little differently than the other guy that usually plays there does. So, timing and everything comes into effect there. So I get it, uh, but it's hard to practice that at the same time. You don't want to practice guys out of position. 
so I mean, with the, with the injury situation they had, and then you know, like you said, Huff going down during the game just threw a wrench into their to their offense a little bit and kind of put the blinders on Bo Levi a little bit. And this is also the first time he's lost to Toronto in the regular season. Yeah, which is incredible. Which is crazy. First 11, yeah. 11 games that Bo has played Toronto, he's beat them. And uh, it, it was fun to be watching uh, Charleston Hughes a couple times. He was a little mm-hmm. eager, got a few offsides. But when it counted, he got the forced fumble, and he ended up yep. uh, recovering that ball as well. And that was a big moment in that game. Uh, just some entertaining moments where... <laughs> Yep. <laughs> he'd get drawn offside and the entire offense <laughs> pointing at him oh. and he's pointing back I, he's point, there, when there's only one guy pointing back at five yeah <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even think they need the eye in the sky for that one guilty guilty <laughs> confess confess that's, oh, that. that's inside <laughs> now ty are you ready to sing the good graces of the ottawa red blacks I'm ready to call this the the podcast game of the week. <laughs> the two and out, the the uh, the, the official Dude, game. Was six, of there was sixteen. <laughs> oh, wow! Wow! At one point, there was five in a row. <laughs> this was a terrible football game, and anybody that tells you any different is wrong. But is it not what? You and we expected from Ottawa this year, this is the games that they will from, be winning, From Ottawa, right? yes. From Ottawa, yes, 100%. From Trevor Harris, James Walter Jr., Greg Ellingson, Darrell Walker, and Monty Edwards, no. Right, right. If <laughs> like this was The Ottawa bad. Red Blacks beat this Edmonton. That, this was not fun to watch. 71 passing yards from Matt Nichols. Dude, how do you win a football? <laughs> <sighs> like, you know, you know exactly how I'm sitting right now and what I'm doing with my hands. Yeah, it just hurts. It hurts. <laughs> Not only that, seven, 71 yards. They didn't convert a first down until there's six minutes left in the second quarter. <laughs> They had, they, had, they had 19 second downs. They converted three of them. How did they... What? <laughs> you can't even speak. <laughs> like, I felt bad texting Andrew yesterday. Right, right. Turf district. Yeah, like, I'm like I know you don't want to talk about this, but kind of have to. <laughs> this kind of reminds me uh I just pulled up the stat Michael Riley back in 2015 uh they beat the Tie Cats at Tim Hortons Field. Uh he had 49 yards passing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so th- this is sort of in that <laughs> realm uh, Nichols managed to win. <laughs> they did their job by not turning the ball over, right? Because you have yeah. to say Edmonton yeah. sh- sh- shot themselves in the foot. 
because oh, I, I, I Ottawa didn't win this game. Ottawa didn't beat Edmonton. Edmonton beat Edmonton. Brett screwed Brett here. <laughs> there was the beautiful uh, touchdown to Mike Jones that he wasn't in bounds for. There was another mm-hmm. touchdown, but. David Beard, the chop block, ends up getting called back. It it was sort of the same deal for 2019, 2018 Edmonton teams, unable to finish drives, kicking field goals. The first drive of the game, nine plays, have to settle for a 12-yard field goal. Second and goal, and you throw it short. Yeah. Don't even give your guys a chance. Throw it short. You throw it to James Wilder Jr., there's three DBs between him and the end zone. I mean, because you look at Toronto and Calgary, very similar. They're going for it on third down. They're they're taking chances Mm -hmm. like that. And maybe Edmonton's thinking we should have done the same because uh, Trevor Harris with three interceptions, to his credit, he took the entire blame after Uh, the game. I, I, I give him blame for two of those. Right, the one lost them this football game. Right, <laughs> I wouldn't put the entire loss on on Ross, but I found it interesting I where put, they I, were. I put that pick. I put that pick six entirely on him, though. Right, right. Uh, I I find it interesting where they were distributing the ball. Uh, Ross and Jones yeah. were seeing the ball a lot more than uh, Greg Ellingson was. He only had the five targets for 52 yards. El- Ellingson to- didn't see the – Ellington had one one catch in the first three quarters. Yeah, and I know a lot of people had him in fantasy very disappointed yeah. at that performance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, felt like my, I felt like my parents. <laughs> Darrell Walker did have the 10 targets and eight catches for 98 yards, but it was a very ugly game, and I think that's – what we're going to expect to see from Ottawa maybe all year long. That That's what they have to do. They mm-hmm. how, how many times did we see the Edmonton defense not pressing, not not at the line of scrimmage, nothing, and just letting these guys run their seven-yard routes? And nobody's there. That, that, Matt Nichols is going to take that all day. Matt Nichols is going to take that all day. He's gonna he's gonna nickel and dime to death down the field. They got the yards that they and, needed to. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> they didn't need much, I guess. <laughs> they, they had what fifty two rushing yards. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> I'm I'm looking at your rap here. Devonte Dedman had one hundred fifty eight return yards, which <laughs> there yeah. was actually a few times when it looked like. I don't think Hugh O'Neill wanted to put the ball there because Deadman no. was able to get returns a lot of the time. Uh, he had mm-hmm. 6.4 points. That's the most yeah. of any Ottawa Red Black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is an anomaly, but you know what? No, I don't think it's an anomaly. I think that's the the 2021 Ottawa Red Blacks. But at the same time, you got to give credit to Ottawa's defense. You have to. You, you can't. Oh, oh yes, Abso- absolutely. And we said that this defense was gonna, you know, they were gonna keep them in in football games. They're not gonna win every game, but they're gonna keep. They're gonna give them a chance if they can keep teams like to 12 points. You should be winning that football game. 
Micah Alway was all over the place. Abdul Kanay yeah. had a big game. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot yep. of veterans on that team that was able to make plays and, yep. and keep oh, them yeah. in the game. Yeah, and you know that that's like we said, that's what they have to do this year. That they're not going to win in shootouts. This mm-hmm. was, a, I mean, this game was close. It's only a four point game. There was a kicker shootout, but I mean, it, they go, they can't go into. They can't go and play like BC did against Saskatchewan and win that football game. No, right? if Edmonton, no, if, no. Like if Edmonton comes out, finishes off that first drive, you know, and all of a sudden, like in that first quarter, there were seven two and outs between the two teams. <laughs> right? If the Elks score a touchdown on that first drive, maybe there, maybe Trevor Harris settles in. Maybe, maybe that you know that. That Sean White field goal isn't a field goal in the second quarter. Maybe that's touched. Maybe maybe the two and outs don't happen. Like who knows what happens if they if they get that field goal? It's a totally different game. Crowds way more into it. It the, the whole place just starts going right. Uh, you know, and maybe you get Ottawa back on their heels. But uh, to hold that offense to a field goal, that's a win for the Red Blacks. And it just feels like they they knew if they just dragged this game down and to the and just beat the hell out of each other that. They had a chance, and that's exactly what they did. Just ugly and dirty. Yeah. James Wilder did have 15 carries for 89 yards. He did have nine catches for 72 as well. So they they, mm-hmm. they do want to get him involved in this one. James Tuck still in the game still didn't. doesn't have a jersey that fit. It's a great look. If I if I had his body, I'd do that. I think it got a little cold for him uh, towards the end of the game, so he, uh, <laughs> he he pulled that jersey down a little bit. I mean, who had James Tuck? Speaking of Edmonton beating themselves, if he would have went down, you know, a second earlier, they would have been able to run another play. You know, yeah. Oh, I, I seven seconds. I thought maybe Edmonton's got a chance to run two plays here. Uh, but no, they they had to rely on the fullback uh, to <laughs> so, to run it twelve yards got, and punch it in. I understand, I understand why he's on the field as a as a blocker, right? Just in case Ottawa sends sends house, they're not going to blitz. They're not going to blitz. He had no business being on the field. Interesting call. He Interesting should, strategy. He, he should not. He should not have been an option to catch a football, and especially with where he caught it. There's like there's three guys between him and the goal line. I, I thought they'd be throwing to Ellingson and Walker at the sideline and yeah. maybe trying to get one more play. Yeah. <laughs> Shoulda, um, coulda, woulda. I mean, the Elks' yeah. first ever that's game. All, that, that's this entire game. That's this. Oh, that's a tough way. I mean, <laughs> you unveil the new team. Uh, Joey Moss yeah. on the video screen singing the anthem. Ton- Them. Tons of alumni. Yeah, paying Tons tribute to the alumni. alumni. And uh, that's the game that they they yeah. started with. I must say, when... <laughs> holy man, they're buying into the Elks. When they play that Elk call over the, <laughs> over the you speaker... Get, you get chills? Dude, it is ear-piercing. <laughs> Dude... Just wait till October, November roll around, and people are wearing their orange there. <laughs> yeah, the, right from the right from uh, hunting earlier that day. <laughs> yeah, right to Commonwealth. There covered, was a few co- covered in covered in blood because you yeah. you field dressed one. 
<laughs> they're buying into it. I saw fans walking yeah. around with antlers. It's just a rough way uh, to start with the new yeah. brand like that. Uh, you you want to s- sell tickets, and they've got the offense to do it. They just did not perform mm-hmm. in that game against Ottawa. Ty, quickly run through the top three fantasy players at each position here. Uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, first. Zach Kalaros at number two with 19 points. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> McLeod Bethel-Thompson at 24.6. Uh, Cody Fajardo in third uh, for quarterbacks at 17.8. Uh, running backs, James Wilder Jr., 25.1. Butler for BC at 17.7. Brady Oliveira in his debut, uh, 15.7. Uh, wide receivers, L- Lucky Whitehead, huge game against Saskatchewan because Nick Marshall let him have one at 24.6. <laughs> Kenny Lawler at 22.9. And Ackland just behind him at 22.8. Whoa. What a fascinating week one. I did, uh, I'm taking part in the 2021 Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge. Ended up losing by about 10 points to Joe Pritchard from the Rouge, White, and Blue Podcast. Congratulations to Joe on that. I was pretty, I was okay with a, a 90 point week. I also thought I was going to win 10 grand on DraftKings. <laughs> the yeah. way that the Ryder first half was going, if. If that kept going in the second half, I might have been able to retire from the podcast, but no. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) Still here doing it. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by ATB. And at ATB, we make banking work for you. With expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth, you can be confident that you're making smart choices when it comes to your money. We have a history of doing what's right for our clients, especially when times are tough, because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, visit ATB.com. There it is. Week one is in the books. We'll be back Thursday to preview week two. Rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Talk to you in a few days. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.